Hey, it's Bao, and this is Coffee with Bao, where I chat with awesome people about their creative process, their cultural identity, and how they continue to grow as a human being. <laughs> you can send me feedback, recommend a guest, or buy me a coffee at coffeewithbao.com. And I want to introduce you to my guest today. Today, I'm hanging out with a fellow Asian American music fanatic. She's a DJ, an entrepreneur. Formerly, she's done commercial acting. She owned a clothing boutique and uh, was, is a paralegal? We'll find out. <laughs> she's also the founder of Prism DJs, which is an agency where you can book all female DJs. Uh, so here's my friend, Tessa Young, AKA DJ Tessa. Hi. Hi, Val. Hi, everybody that's joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm super stoked to chat with you today. Oh, I'm happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Uh, I've always wondered whether any of your friends or family actually call you DJ Tessa. No, not at all. <laughs> just, just Tessa or Tess. I kind <laughs> keep of, it real informal around here. I kind of do sometimes, like in a funny way, like when I refer to you with, um, with Michael first and Natalie first, yeah, yeah. who introduced oh my us. Gosh. The most amazing couple ever. I'm so happy they introduced us. Okay, a little I'm really background. lucky. I'm really lucky to have, well, they were a wedding client. I'm really yeah. lucky to have amazing wedding clients with super good taste in music. That's Michael and Natalie, the epitome. Uh, some more background. Michael and Natalie are some of my oldest friends from my childhood. They got married and Tessa DJed their wedding. And that's how we met. <laughs> uh, and it also the wedding was Great in Long Beach, where you mm -hmm. are now, right? You're in Long Beach? Yeah. Yeah, I live in Long Beach now. You know, we also have a Reno connection with some mutual friends in Reno. Mm -hmm. And you grew up in Reno. Yeah, yeah. But you also used to play shows in Reno, right? <laughs> and so that's how our mutual friends know you. Yeah. And I'm so surprised we didn't meet in Reno, but I'm glad eventually we met. I love we all awesome. of these disparate connections making our it's friendship. It's a small world. Did you grow up in Reno? My formative years were in Reno. I considered myself growing up in Reno, but I was born in Torrance. I grew up in Harbor City in 92. I moved to Reno, Nevada, where I went to middle school and high school. Oh, okay. So you were like a tween already when you moved to Reno. Yeah. So and it South just... Bay to Reno to South mm -hmm. Bay. South Bay to Reno to LA proper. Then uh, to Long Beach. <laughs> cool. So one thing I really enjoy about hanging out with you is that you're like ethnically ambiguous. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and you've told me that when you fill out paperwork, sometimes you don't, you can't decide whether to put in Asian or Latino. Yeah. Okay. I'm like, do, do you check one box? Do you check all the boxes? <laughs> so I'm half Chinese, quarter Mexican, quarter Italian. My dad's Chinese. My mom's half Mexican, half Italian. And currently I'm trying to fill out grant forms or even like yeah. health insurance forms. And I'm like, well, do I check all of them? Guess I'll check all of them. <laughs> <laughs> and so I just really try to confuse them. But then sometimes it's none of their business, right? Yeah, so totally. There's that option. It just depends on my mood. So that's a really interesting combination of backgrounds. Can you tell folks a little bit about where your family's various components come from? So my dad, he grew up in Hawaii. My mom grew up in Northern California. She grew up in Sacramento, mm. but my dad's side of the, or his parents, they came from Hong Kong. And uh, my mom's side of the family, her father 
Ruth's family came from Napoli, Italy, and her mother's family came from Chihuahua, Mexico. Wow, that's so, I'm, so... I'm from I'm from all over the place. I love that. That's so cool. <laughs> but they weren't traditional cultural parents, you know. It was just the traditions laid with their parents, but they they took some of the traditions. Yeah, tell me no, about like, that. Like, like like the red. I, I I still got the red envelopes. <laughs> we'll say uh, that. Ah, sweet. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm curious about, about your childhood and like what elements of which cultures you guys did retain because you know obviously when. Um, after some the, generations and when there are many influences, you kind of mm-hmm. have to choose. I feel that I've always identified as Asian because I feel like that's how people always perceived me. And especially, it, this is really sad, but it's just truth. When I was younger, people made fun of me for being Chinese. Huh. So I identified as Asian because that's how people saw me, you know. But I am Asian, so <laughs> there's that as well. <laughs> so it was kind of like a reaction to people's perceptions forced more mm-hmm. of that identity into your own personal perception. For sure. Wow. For sure. What other like cultural things did you guys do at home? Oh, just the food. Ah, <laughs> oh, that must have been awesome. Yeah. The food, Chinese New Year's, you know, we'd get dim sum or uh, when we went to grandma and grandpa's house, uh, it was like Mexican food, Italian food. So We'll just say I have good taste in food. <laughs> what about like music as a person growing up? How did you get into that? Because now you're like steeped in music. Yeah, yeah. So we always had music going throughout the house and everyone had their own special type of music that they liked, right? So my dad, he was always listening to like the Beatles <gasps> and the Beach Boys and the Turtles and things like that. So it was kind of like the oldies for him. My mom was definitely like a soul funk R&B person. So I was listening to Shaka Khan and Roberta Flack and Babyface and Anita Baker. Mm. And my sister was like, loved David Bowie. So I loved everything my sister loved. So I loved David Bowie and Prince and Lenny Kravitz. And I think that all well-rounded me for all different styles of music. And then obviously growing up in the late 80s and the 90s, I have a lot of like 80s, 90s influence. That's cool. I think I have a similar musical upbringing too with, you know, Mm -hmm. my mom, my parents, and then my siblings who are older. And and then myself as I started discovering music in my teens Mm -hmm. also. And that was a whole different genre that neither of those other folks. Oh yeah, mine was completely different. So we were venturing into Nirvana and Weezer and Smashing Pumpkins and Stone Temple Pilots. But then I also loved Biggie and Snoop and I was watching Yo TV raps all the time. So then, you know, that's just piling on more different genres. But as an adult and when I started DJing, that all really helped me yeah. to read a crowd and be like, oh, they're gonna like this soul and funk or they're gonna like this rock alternative music. Do you remember when you like got super duper into music? Like when it became like part of your identity? My life. Yeah. Part of my identity. Yeah. I think it was just, it was going to like warehouse shows as a teenager. I was going to like punk shows, metal shows, industrial shows, underground yeah. hip hop shows, you know, everything was so underground. Those experience really developed my love for music and all kinds of different music. Cool, cool. As a one of the rugged little backpack girls with size thirty four pants and an extra large shirt and a flannel, <laughs> that was me. Yes. <laughs> How many pairs of Jinkos did you own? Oh my god! You know, actually, I had more Levi's. 
that were 34, I would get 34, 34 size and then just cut off the bottoms yeah. and frame them. <laughs> That's wild. So high school in Reno must have been interesting. I wonder how it was in what the 90s. Now I go there, it's like super supportive of arts and culture and it's pretty diverse. It was not at the time. Yeah. Well, you know, there were some like underground arts and culture things happening. Like I was telling you, you know, we had all the punk, metal, hardcore shows coming through Reno. So, mm. I mean, that's cool to be able to have that. But where I grew up and where I went to high school, you know, I, I'm appreciative for every moment. But I think it was challenging as a minority growing up there because it's mostly Caucasian there. Yeah. Shout out to Reno. I love Reno. Shout out to Reno. I love you guys, Reno. <laughs> there's bad memories and there's good memories. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll go through some of them in the conversation, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so after high school, you studied to be a paralegal. And I'm mm -hmm. curious whether that was like a panic, like, I don't know what to do. I got to choose something. Or whether I you actually here? had... Did you have some inkling of interest in legal stuff no. already? No, I, <laughs> thought, I thought I was going to be a fashion designer. <laughs> that did not happen. So that was actually an interesting story because when I graduated from high school, I graduated early. I was 17 and I started oh. working at Aaron Brothers, the art and framing store. Yeah. And I was not getting along with the coworkers, but my manager really, really liked me and she liked my work ethic. And she's like, well, my husband is looking for a secretary at his law firm. Would you be interested in that? I think you'd be a good match. And I was like, oh, yeah, sure. I was probably like 17 going on 18. So they ended up hiring me right away. By 18, I was already a secretary at a law firm, just doing front desk receptionist work. And they also liked my work ethic and that I could learn quickly. And so they literally had me doing the paralegal stuff when I was 18 years old. <laughs> so what I was doing at the time was I was filing bankruptcy petitions and I would meet with the clients and I would go through the list of questions and then I would let them know what the process was. You know, this is what's going to happen um, after we file this, when you go to court, blah, blah, blah. You know, I would tell them the whole thing and I knew the process really well, but I'm giving them this information looking like I'm 14 years old with braces. <laughs> <laughs> so I think they just probably didn't feel like I was a credible person to listen to. So after that, I just ended up getting my uh, paralegal certificate. It was an associate's degree at Truckee Meadows Community College in Reno. So it was kind of interesting that it happened that way. Like I didn't get the paralegal associates degree first. It was, yeah. I had this job transferred to a different job and it was like, oh, well, I'll get paid more money if I get this little degree. <laughs> I see. And then, you know, I just continued with it even to this day, you know? Yeah. Okay. So your twenties were a spicy time mm -hmm. with uh, a lot of Wild life lessons. Times. <laughs> wild times yeah and i want to like get back to that era in in later mm -hmm. on in the conversation because uh okay. it's super interesting but basically in your 20s you did some modeling and commercial acting which gave you i mean which earned you enough money to start your own clothing boutique in reno mm -hmm. called gray matter which is where you picked up djing because you had the store to yourself all day yeah. Is that right? I would, yeah, yeah. So I, I didn't learn how to technically mix there, but I loved like thrift store shopping. So I would go and I would buy records, like oldies records, like 70s, 80s records, and I would just play them in the store all day. 
but I had the best equipment. So when I went to buy the turntables, I was like, oh, you know, I want to be able to have DJs in the shop. I just got the best quality DJ mm. gear. Yeah, and I was just listening to records. I had the skate videos on. I had video games. I had the coolest, like, gift boutique in the town that I was doing before it was... Everyone always tries to do the before it was popular thing. But this is true <laughs> in Reno. Is I was selling, like, Revelate, Upper Playground, Obey, things like that. Mm. But it just didn't work for Reno at the time. Ahead of your time, Tessa. F- 15 years later, those uh, companies went corporate. <laughs> right. Uh Um, I'm curious how much of DJing was an expression of your love for music versus like an outlet to channel all of the stuff that was happening in your life at the time? Well, I wasn't DJing professionally at the time. It was just more of a hobby. But Mm -hmm. because I'm such a human that's based off mood, you know, the 20s for me were like a party time, but they were also like a really, really sad time. So it's like I'm putting on my like blonde redhead and saves the day and the good life and bright eyes (laughs) records. And I'm just like crying, (laughs) you know. So, I mean, music is therapy. Yeah, so... I'm grateful for music during that time to help me through yeah, through the 20s. But, you know, had the party music, too. It, what's really funny, and don't tell any of my clients this, but <laughs> I didn't listen to any of the 2000s club music that was happening, like the hip-hop that was going on, like the Lil John and yeah. To the Window, To the Wall. <laughs> like, I did not know that stuff at all. I was more of like an indie electronic type person. But then when I started DJing parties and weddings, that's when I had to go back and go, oh my gosh, there's this whole chapter of like <laughs> 2000 to 2010 club music that I don't know that is like really hip with the people that are throwing parties right now. <laughs> Retro- yeah, retroactively experiencing like a whole era of music. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what it is. That's funny. Um, so eventually mm-hmm. you had to close your boutique mm-hmm. and you moved to LA and got a job as a paralegal here in downtown, right? Closing the boutique was like 2003, 2004, I think. And I moved to LA in 2008. So between that four years, I went back to working at a law firm. Mm. And as you were working as a paralegal in LA, you started to get hired doing DJ gigs? Yeah. So let's see. I was working at a law firm in the Wells Fargo building. Oh, (laughs) one thing I didn't tell you, I'm going to skip back and forth because there's just so many things and so many memories that pop up, but I was a makeup artist as well. Hmm. (laughs) So when I first moved to LA in 2008, I was like, oh, I'm just going to get back with my commercial agent. And then I'm going to do, I'll do modeling gigs when I can. And um, I'll do makeup for people. So I was trying to do those things when I first moved here. And it just wasn't working out. It just wasn't paying my bills. So that's when I ended up going back to paralegal work. So because I've always been that type of person that's been into like a lot of different hobbies, yeah, a lot of different yeah. interests. And I was looking on Craigslist and I saw an ad for a DJ. And I was like, well, shit, I got the equipment. Let's do this. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> so then I started DJing at Verskusha in downtown LA. It's a like German sausage beer spot, but super hip, super trendy, mm-hmm. really cool place. I got to play all of the music that I loved, but I wasn't blending well. I was just playing music. I was just selecting yeah, music because okay. I always had good taste in music. I always knew that. It was learning how to blend that music so it made sense, so that it was seamless. So the funny story to me learning how to mix is that someone got my card 
And they wrote me an email and they're like, oh, your blends really aren't that tight. You you should put some work into it. And I was like, shit, you know, it hurt me so bad (laughs) at the moment. But now that I look back at it, I'm like, if that person (laughs) didn't say anything, how long would it have taken before somebody actually said something, you know, to improve my skills? So even though it hurt at the time, I look back and I'm so grateful that person had the balls to do something like that. Also, how dare he? Like, <laughs> you literally put in the extra effort to like write me that email. <laughs> like to ask for somebody's card and then follow up with with that criticism. Oh my God, no. <laughs> I got all kinds of funny stories. So you did what? I think two years of freelance mm-hmm. DJing and yeah. it must have so been I successful because you got yeah. a bunch of really great gigs with a bunch of really big brand names and... Uh, it took uh, time. It did take time to get there because I started with the weddings. People were taking my card. I was doing the like indie electronic style music. Yeah. And they're like, we want this kind of music at our wedding. But yeah, when I was working at the law firm, I was working Monday through Friday, nine to five. And usually on Thursday, Friday nights, I would stay at the law firm. And then at eight o'clock, I would head over to the lounge to go DJ. Awesome. I had so much energy then. <laughs> I was so youthful. <laughs> okay, so it only took two years before you realized that, mm-hmm. hey, I could do this full time. And yeah. Yeah. And then and I did. heard, well, I read actually that the impetus for you starting Prism DJs was that you kept hearing people saying that there's not that many female DJs. And yeah, you're like, they're, they're they kind of are. Like, oh. So when they would come up to me saying, oh, you know, it was such a struggle to find a female DJ. I was thinking, oh, my gosh, I know so many of them. Yeah. And obviously, one, I want to support women. Two, I already had the business skills to create the agency. And the statistics range, but there's 10, 20, 30 percent female DJs versus male DJs. And I wanted to be able to close that gender gap. I was going to ask you for your like basic mission for prism djs but that was it right that was it. oh yeah <laughs> that was it. you know i really want to highlight female djs be able to have a platform for them be able to have clients um find vetted talented yeah. female djs and you know yeah, it's like all all with doing something good you know that's awesome i'm gonna show a little video i recently caught a vr dj set that you did uh-huh. it's pretty interesting and weird and fun so I'm going to show this video and tell people a little bit about Prism DJs. (laughs) Tessa Young's Prism DJs has become like a premier agency for booking all female DJs. They represent about 20 DJs right now who spin a range of musical genres for weddings, corporate events, and nonprofit events. Prism DJs also provides scholarships to teenage girls to attend Camp Spinoff, where Tessa is a volunteer. Uh, as well as fundraising for Black Lives Matter and the Downtown Women's Center and the Los Angeles LGBT Center. Uh, Since the pandemic has pretty much put a pause on in-person events, Prism DJs has recently started performing live streams and virtual reality experiences like you're seeing on this video. (laughs) Um, The laws of physics do not apply in VR, so this event was totally weird and fun. You can find DJ Tessa and Prism DJs at prismdjs.com. That's P-R-I-S-M-D-J-S dot com. Let's take a little break. Hey friends, not sure if you know this, but I serve on the board of a nonprofit called the Slants Foundation. 
We're a volunteer-driven organization that provides resources, scholarships, and mentorship to Asian American creatives looking to incorporate activism into their art. We also produce events that feature these talented creators. Our last virtual concert helped over 500 people register to vote for the very first time. You can learn about and support the Slants Foundation by visiting theslants.org. Thanks, and see you soon. Let's get back to the show. Okay, dude. <laughs> there was a black crow in front uh, during your VR set, and I was like, dude, that's my mascot. I am the black crow, and I get to chill with virtual DJ Tessa <laughs> right in front. I can't believe you were able to see the little black crow. I got my eye on the crow all the time, man. Yeah, yeah. So that was really it's cool. Um, definitely the future right now, 2021 at least, while we're staying at home. Yeah, totally. Prism DJs took off really well, and you were able to start the whole company with like a small business loan. Mm -hmm. um, can you talk a little bit about like learning to navigate that whole process of building? Yeah, actually, I had some help. An amazing person. I just adore her so much. She helped me incredibly with my business plan. Her name's Youngji Harabedian. I found her through the Koreatown Youth Community Center. I think it's KYCC. So they offer small business development services. Mm. And she helped me with the business plan. She referred me over to the Asian Pacific Consortium of Employment, and they assisted with getting an SBA loan. So I started the business with an SBA loan of 18000 and I put a lot of that into getting good photos for the DJs, getting yes. promo video for the DJs, building the website, and, uh, and marketing. How many DJs did it's, you start it's with? Expensive. <laughs> Those costs <laughs> yeah, added no doubt. up. I started with about four or five DJs. And then the word got out and I ended up working with about 30 female DJs. Not consistently, but being able to work with that many DJs was amazing to me, you know. What are, did you have to learn a bunch of other skill sets to like <laughs> kind of DIY stuff? I think I had the business skill set. So I knew how to start the LLC. I knew how to structure the business. I knew how to make the website. Just mm -hmm. I've been semi-tech savvy my whole life. But um, I think the biggest challenge for me starting was management. I don't do artist management, but you still have to manage your business yeah. or you have to manage expectations for the DJs and for the clients. I had to learn how to communicate a lot better and be very clear, be very transparent. So I think what I had to learn the most when I first started the business was communication, mm. better communication. Yeah. Especially when you're like kind of a broker between various parties too. That's mm -hmm. super important. During the pandemic, you guys have had to pivot to like remote DJing. And um, yeah. surprisingly, <laughs> it's starting to like catch on. I have this preconception that it's like super weird to go watch a live show on screen or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. But I actually had a really good time at your, <laughs> at your VR set. Yeah. And you watched it on Twitch, right? I did, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, so I, I missed out the immersive experience because mm -hmm. I didn't have the hardware, but the avatars that people build are so fun. And like yeah. I said earlier, like physics don't really apply. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> so, not at all. <laughs> so the dances are extra fun and like people were just jumping like 50 feet in the air. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's just alternate reality, right? But what's so interesting about it is that... Uh, 
the way that we did this particular show is we had the green screen performance pre-recorded, but I went in as an avatar. So I was still there to like hang out with everybody and you could, um, say, oh, show me your best dance moves. And they have a bunch of emotes with like different dance moves. And my favorite <laughs> dance move is like the push-up. So when salt and Pepper's Push-It push it came on, my remix, not my remix, but the remix I played of it, uh-huh. I was like, everybody do push-ups, you know? And they might have the push-up emote and start doing push-ups. So it's <laughs> so awesome. fun and interactive. And there's real humans behind all of these avatars. Yeah. And human etiquette applies in virtual reality, which is so crazy. Like you could literally go up to somebody and virtually punch them in the face <laughs> and that person would be offended <laughs> because you entered their personal space, you know? It's just incredibly fun. I, I want everybody to join us. How did the idea the originate? Well, um, <laughs> <laughs> so you know, as the pandemic happened, we lost a lot of work. Um, But what I tried to do was still try to support the community and support the DJs. And so what we did was we did fundraiser events, as you had previously mentioned during Mm. the pandemic was just trying to find ways to support our community. And the corporate events dried up, obviously weddings weren't happening. And I had to go to, I had to go back to work, you know, just the reality of it. So as you know, my background is paralegal work and I was looking for jobs and I found a legal assistant paralegal job for a virtual reality company. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. So they hired me right away. They're like, oh, you're a great match. Like you have paralegal experience and you're interested in the entertainment business. Mm-hmm. And when we have our meetings, our work meetings, we meet in a world. But <laughs> I'm in trouble paying attention because these people have such cool avatars. And I'm sitting there like staring and like analyzing their avatars. Like, oh, how can I make mine better? Um, but anyway, but because I have to go to those meetings, um, I start learning how to use and like navigate around better. Right. And then I discover the parties. These people are having parties all the time. And I am like, oh, wow. You know, I can showcase our female DJs in virtual reality because it's still kind of like a male dominated world in virtual reality. So that's my new plan is to be able to still continue to showcase our female DJs, Prism DJs in on a different platform. Um, I don't know what's after VR. (laughs) This this is the peak. Well, yeah, it's the peak for now. Um, (laughs) It's cool that you're now you're able to kind of open up this new platform of opportunities Mm -hmm. for um, I guess all of the DJs at PRISM, where do you think that like having this new can of worms is going to take PRISM DJs? Like where do you want to take PRISM DJs? It's definitely awesome marketing material and I just like so authentically love it that I'm having a blast putting together the projects, the production for it. I'm not putting together that. I work with like a huge team of people that uh, create that production. You would be so surprised how many people it takes to create that. So I'm actually working with Chromatic team out of Australia. There's uh, four people on his team um, that handle the live streaming, the world building, um, the communications. And then uh, Jesse Morales from Livestream Suite does the green screen. Mm-hmm. I'm the one organizing everything on the back end and facilitating it all. And then obviously the DJ is the talent mm-hmm. and they're the star of the show. So by then you've got 15 people, almost 15 people working on the project. Wow. 
Yeah, so so it's quite a bit of a production. It doesn't have to be that much of a production in there. Like you can literally go in with your avatar and just start DJing as long as you can get clean sound. But as far as where Prism DJs goes from here, I'm so excited to have those videos to show my clients. I would love Prism DJs to get more into the technology space and DJ more technology events and more corporate events. Yeah, I think that's a really great fit because so many people are mm -hmm. working from home now and you still need team building. You still need yeah. FaceTime with each other. And yeah. uh, this is like a really cool opportunity to do that. Shout out to Sansar, the best VR platform out there. So Sansar is the group or uh, the technology that's been enabling your VR events. And um, mm -hmm. they're fairly new, right? Just a couple years yeah, old. Yeah, startup. They are a spinoff from a company called Second Life. And uh, Sansar was acquired by Wiki Technologies in March 2020. So yeah, so they're coming up old. on their one year anniversary, less than a year old. But honestly, and I'm not just saying it, they have the best graphics on their platform. Like, when you walk around in there, everything is just so visually stunning. Yeah. And there's mm -hmm. like tons of work, people building custom worlds for each event yeah. and stuff. So cool. Yeah. A whole new can of worms. It's like really a fun type of experience that I think a mm -hmm. lot of people will gravitate to as they discover it, basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm going to yeah. show people another photo. Actually, it's a still image of the Prism DJ's website. Tessa Young's all-woman DJ agency is called Prism DJs. And they recently made the pivot to live streaming and VR DJ sets, which have been especially successful uh, for corporate events during the pandemic. And um, you can find more about Prism DJs at prismdjs.com. Dude, I'm so Yay! stoked for you. That Thank you for sharing fun. that. <laughs> it's been a fun journey, that's for sure. So uh, let's get back to talking about your 20s. <laughs> oh my God. Well, so, isn't that what the 20s are for, for everybody, is to just fuck it all up? <laughs> that's what I was going to say. I accomplished a lot of stuff in my 20s, but I feel like I was just flailing, like somebody yeah. who doesn't know how to swim getting tossed yeah. in the pool and just like, oh, this yeah. kind of works and that kind of yeah. works. Yeah, uh, no, I, I thought I was so grown and I knew everything, but... I did not at all. So there's a really yeah. awesome podcast that you did called the Amani Experience. Did I pronounce that yes. right? Yes. With Amani, DJ yes. Amro. Uh, Amro, I, yeah. I learned so much about you from that podcast. I think if people are interested, they should check it out. But basically... Yeah, he's a great interviewer. There was a little segment where you talked about how tumultuous your 20s was. And um, I was wondering if you could share like as much as you want from that experience. I've definitely learned from all those things. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I guess it could start with uh, when I uh, took a break from paralegal work and I moved out to LA for a brief stint. Uh, I was trying to do like the modeling and commercial acting work. And, you know, there's just so much rejection that comes along with that. So yeah. those feelings of rejection sucked. And then I ended up uh, saving that money, going back to Reno. And I was passionate about opening up this boutique. At the time, I put I put everything into like these business endeavors that I, that I do, right? So just sitting in the store and not watching anything sell and thinking that you're making your best efforts for marketing. How old were you? Really, I was 22, 23. Oh man, that's super young. <laughs> I know, I know, right? To have this like retail boutique. But um, 
Yeah, that, I think I can't express how like sad that feels to like not have your business work. Yeah. And at the same time, I was going through a breakup with a long-term boyfriend and that was like heartbreaking. Like I was so depressed. I couldn't even like lift myself out of bed. Ugh. Then I rush into a relationship with someone I'm like, I like him as a person, but definitely not compatible. Yeah. <laughs> when I look back at it, um, we were drinking a lot. And that that's what Reno was for me. It's like, we were just drinking and partying all the time. Yeah. And so I think I'm um, prone to having depressive feelings, prone to depression. And the drinking just like magnifies that, right? So uh, I go into like full-blown drinking. Yeah. I would consider it like alcoholism, full-blown depression, um, get a DUI. Uh, <laughs> so, pi- pile so on. The, yeah, no, it was pile on. Then um, I had to file for bankruptcy because I was $60,000 in debt from the retail boutique uh, that I had. But get this, let's just circle back. Remember I told you I was a bankruptcy paralegal when I graduated <laughs> from high school? I went and I represented myself at court and filled out all my paperwork. <laughs> so I'm a resourceful gal. But it was just like hit after hit after hit. I mean, there was yeah. more that happened during that time, but it was more personal. So I'm not going to share it. But yeah, it's just like I think I don't even know how I survived my 20s, really. And then 2008, I moved to L.A. Yeah. Was was that move to LA sort of like all right, I need I need a big change to shake this up? Was that part yeah. of decision making? Yeah, I wasn't going anywhere when I was in Reno. I was just gonna continue to drink and drink and drink. Ugh. And I mean, if you have problems and you you don't resolve those, even if you move to another town, you're gonna take your problems with you. Oh yeah, you know you you have to figure out a way to address those issues. But I think what was great is when I moved here, I didn't have all the friends to like, I, the bars are so easily accessible there. So I didn't have a lot of friends. I wasn't going to the bars and I was just distracted by new interests yeah. when I was here. So I think the distraction of LA really helped like just all the culture that's here. I was able to go to any like art museums. They're at our fingertips. And then I met my boyfriend um, and he doesn't drink at all. Mm-hmm. So that lessened the um, craving for me to drink, right? Yeah. So, you know, I I still have a beer every once in a while, but I do notice that I get sad when I drink and I know I shouldn't do it, but I just keep doing it anyway. <laughs> well, you know, it's, <laughs> yeah. but, it's But cool. it's, not, it's not the point that it was yeah. back in the day. It's cool to have that support system now and mm-hmm. uh, also know enough about yourself where you can moderate and, and call yeah. yourself out when you don't moderate. <laughs> Yeah. 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 I always do that. I'm like, oh, I'm not drinking again. Why do I do this? And then two days later, I'm like, I'll just have one beer. I'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, just that big change of environment really helps yeah. me to kind of reset. We all need a reset every once in a while, right? We're, we're all going to need a reset once we're in the clear of this pandemic, right? <laughs> totally. <laughs> I want to travel every this year. So I turned 40 in 2020 and my business was doing so great. Prism DJs was doing so great. I was like, we're just going to fucking kill it this year. And um, I knew all of the, the high profile event production companies that hired DJs. You know, I had a good marketing plan. Like I said, turning 40, me and my friends, we were going to go to Greece, Bali, Japan. I was going to travel the oh, world. Man. Yeah. yeah. And then it all came crumbling down. But it's okay. You know, there's... Um, I love 
the fact that I went back to work as a legal assistant uh-huh. and then learning this whole VR space. Yeah. That was just, you know, one of the best things that happened during the pandemic. So. Yeah, I think that crumbling Silver linings is also kind of just, it gives you more other opportunities. So I've been thinking about it like that too. Like mm-hmm. there's a bunch of other opportunities that I've had that I wouldn't have had because of this yeah. pandemic and a bunch of new learnings that I've had that I wouldn't have had. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's cool. Um, during yeah. like a lot of this like hardcore times in your 20s, I know that mm-hmm. family is a big part of your life. And um, mm-hmm. I'm curious like what role they played, what relationship you had with them during this difficult time? Well, they've always been really supportive of me, uh, always helped me. Um, my parents helped me finance part of the first business, but never again <laughs> <laughs> see another business go down. But I also had a lot of guilt because I lost some of their money. Yeah. And while I was going through all the bullshit, I just really didn't want to burden them with Mm. anything else because I had already burdened them already. And my sister has always been there for me. So she was always a great, I mean, both of my parents are great to talk to, but Mm. my sister was amazing, you know, amazing support system. Yeah. You know, they were just there to listen, which is good, but I didn't share everything because like I said, just didn't want to give them too much, you know, burden them too much. Yeah. You know, I, I recently recorded a short interlude episode of Coffee with Bao where I talk about, you know, all of us being a work in progress. And that's totally fine. Like that, mm-hmm. not just fine. That's like reality. That just is. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. And so constantly um, a work in progress. Right. And I, I'm mm-hmm. curious outside of Prism DJs and outside of the business stuff, is there like a one or two? personal things that you're trying to level up on right now as a person? Oh my goodness. Business is my hobby (laughs) and interest. So that makes it really difficult. Okay. So I've always wanted to get my real estate license. So I am on the final chapter of the final course for real estate school. And this week I'm going to be taking the final exam for that last course so I can move on to take the test to get my real estate license. I don't, I've just always wanted to do it. So that's why I'm doing it. And if it happens to be that I end up as a real estate agent as well, it's just another thing to add to that list of entrepreneurial items. That's awesome. I love that you're such a renaissance women i guess when you i think i just like learning yeah right you Mm -hmm. have an idea you just like find out how to do it and i I love that about you yeah if i say i'm gonna do something my friends and family know that i'm gonna do it (laughs) that's awesome (laughs) um i think a lot of your success also obviously has to do with you just simply being like an awesome person. Oh, <laughs> thank you. But there, you know, like uh, the more I learn about you, the more I see the aspect of perseverance, which has mm-hmm. been a through line in your whole history, right? Mm-hmm. I'm curious whether you have like a hot tip that you can share with me about knowing when to persevere versus mm-hmm. when to pivot and get the F out. I'll take it from maybe like a business perspective. So yeah, with business, there's ups and downs, right? So 
you have to know that that's going to happen. It's like one minute you're like, I'm successful. And the next minute, you know, I don't know if you ever saw that meme, you know, the success. And then all of a sudden you're like, do I need to close my business? Which is kind (laughs) of like how I felt this year. But um, I think if the business is just not working and it's, you've done everything you can to try to make it work or you're just not happy anymore. I got a problem with that one. Sometimes when you're not happy with something, sometimes you have to just keep persevering. Um, Or if it just doesn't feel like authentic to you, if you don't feel connected to whatever you're doing anymore, that's the time to GTFO. I For sure. I think you have a really good point there about evaluating your connection to what you're doing, Mm -hmm. right? And like regularly just asking yourself, do I feel, am I vibing to this thing? Yeah. Does this feel yeah. authentic to me as a person? Yeah. Wow. For sure. That's great advice, Tessa. Thank you so, <laughs> so much. You're welcome. I wish I had a better answer for that one. That's that's a tough question. That's what you're here for. Boom. Those are tough questions. I yeah. got you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I had such a really, really, really good time, as always, chatting with you. And um, I really appreciate yeah. that you uh, shared your personal story, too. It's fascinating and inspiring. So. Thank you, Tessa. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) You're the best, Val. Oh, man. Thank (laughs) you. Okay, so I'm going to do like a little outro thing, but don't Mm -hmm. hang up because I'm going to come back and say like an actual goodbye to you. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Okay, awesome. Okay, guys, my guest today has been Tessa Young, a.k.a. DJ Tessa. She has an all-female DJ agency called Prism DJs. And you can find Prism DJs at prismdjs.com. And I'm going to spell it to you so you don't think it's prison. <laughs> P-R-I-S-M-D-J-S.com. Uh, if you had a good time with us today and you want to support me, you can subscribe or share this episode. Also, if you can financially support me or buy me a coffee or whatever, you can go to coffeewithbao.com and do that. And I thank you so much for having coffee with Bao. And we'll see you next time. Peace out. You want to see our beautiful mugs while we chat? Coffee with Bao is also available in video. Just search for it on YouTube and hit the subscribe button.